You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex is happening in the marriage bed. Here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Allen and Shannon Etheridge. Now, there are times when um, I find myself just kind of sitting, contemplating, thinking about what we do, the world we live in, uh, the impact and the depth that we get to have with listeners, with clients, um, with Pretty society. awe-inspiring, isn't it? It, it? It's awe-inspiring, it's humbling, um, but what's interesting to me is how, do you feel like there's times where I feel like maybe we're making a little bit of a dent, and then we get an email, it's like, wait, come on, really? <laughs> <laughs> and do you do you really think that we hold that much power, Corey? No, I, I, well, I, I'm aware of uh, how little I am. I, I know that very, very well. Uh, and if I'm any in the times I forget it, I have a tremendously solid wife that reminds me of how go. of how little I am. Um, <laughs> and and uh, <laughs> it's one of those. It's seeing it as I, I, I don't know. I, I think. Tell, tell me if I'm wrong. By the way, welcome to Sexy Marriage Radio. Uh, thanks for taking some time out of your day to spend it with us. We're honored and humbled every time you, you listeners log in and catch us on iTunes, uh, on uh, Stitcher, on iHeartRadio, uh, just straight from the website. I mean, wherever it is yeah, you listen, yeah. uh, I thank you very much for taking some time out to spend it with us. And we also love to hear from you to let us know mm-hmm. what you think and your questions and your comments. And that's feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. But what's interesting to me is it, it correct me if I'm wrong. Would I always you, do. Yes, you do. <laughs> would, would you say that a, a lot of what maybe makes people really struggle is that we think we have we fallen victim to this belief or this myth that I can solve marriage. Or that it can be fixed. Okay. Yeah, that every problem in marriage can be fixed. Right, that, that it's, there's a solution out there. Don't you wish you had invented it and Girl, could bottle it and I, distribute it? If I did that, I would own half the... I'd be the first trillionaire. <laughs> Seriously, because that's yeah, something... I, I mean, I, was, I mentioned that to somebody, and they said, yeah, if you could solve that, that's right up there with the energy crisis. Yeah. You know, the, I don't know of a single marriage that hasn't struggled to great degree. Yeah. Uh, That's just across the board. I think if any couple tells you, oh, it's easy. We never fight. We never have any disagreements. There's no tension ever. They're on, they're smoking crack. Yeah. And, (laughs) but it's just interesting because I think that we have this belief that marriage can be solved, that I can crack the code. And then if you add a complexity level to it, sex can be solved, that I could crack the code on how to get my partner more engaged and interested in sex. And maybe that's where we get off the rails. Right. I completely agree. Sex expectations are really, they can be really unrealistic. Yeah. And it's and it's not always that someone expects that much. Sometimes it really is that their spouse just doesn't have near the energy level or interest or fascination with it. Oh, true. But does that mean they're not interested at all? Because this is where we start to get into the weeds and the struggles that I think a lot of people really face. I was just looking through some of our emails before we started recording, Shannon, and there are some of them in there. I mean, some of, I love it because it's almost a little naive in the way it's being asked, but it's honest of how mm-hmm. do I get my wife engaged 
to want to have sex more like I do. Mm-hmm. Right? Because I know she's interested because right. they do it. But how do I get her to, to want it more? He wants her to turn up the volume, Just ramp like, it up. Right, like he notches. has it, like to get it to his volume level. Mm-hmm. But do people's libidos ever totally match up? I think it, no. It, it doesn't work that way, right. I in don't, my opinion. If a couple, I ask this question in couple sessions of um, who's the higher desire, and who, or basically the way I phrase it is who's responsible for making sure sex happens, mm-hmm. right? And there's some complexity in the answer in that question mm-hmm. because the initial is, well, I'm the, high, I'm the one more interested, but oftentimes the person responsible for making it happen is the lower desire, which Has is the control right. and the power. But mm-hmm. whenever a couple says, I think it's 50, 50, I think I, we, we kind of probably share. I'm like, no, don't buy it. <laughs> who, who, who does most of the initiation? Right. And because right. I think that we've got to come to grips with, we don't have a fairy tale life and marriage is not something we get to be solved. It's something mm-hmm. we experience. It's something we live through. It's something there's, there's something deeper going on. It's a journey. Yep. It's not a destination. And it's a journey of self-discovery, not just trying to manipulate the other partner. That Sometimes even asking yourself, why is this so important to me? What does this represent for me? Is there something missing in my life that I'm trying to fill that void with sex? And usually your partner can sniff that out. They yeah. can tell if yeah. they're being used as an outlet. Uh, and it's not very attractive to that mate. If that's but, what they're always being used as, yes. Right, right. But let's go back to the question because we have gotten a couple of emails lately that really stand out in my mind of this is not just a difference in libido. This is not just a one's high desire, one's low desire. There have been a couple of women in particular, but I know that historically we've heard from lots of men on this topic. But here lately, a couple of women have said, it seems like we got married and the switch turned off that all of a sudden he is not pursuing her, is not responding to her advances, is seems to be looking for excuses not to engage. And she's wondering what the heck happened? So what is behind the dynamic when the wedding bands go on the fingers and the vows are exchanged and the honeymoon is experienced, but then you get back into real life and all of a sudden, all that passion and chemistry that you felt before, whether you acted on it or not, it's kind of besides the point sometimes. I think for some people, it was we were virgins when we got married, so we thought we would be humping like rabbits all the time once we did get married, but we don't. And for other people, it was like we did hump like rabbits all the time before we got married, but then we got married and now we don't. It's just very interesting how regardless of how you conducted yourself prior to marriage, so oftentimes within the marriage, sex wanes. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Shannon? <laughs> no, okay. um, no, it's. I think it's one of those that some of it is the the bubble is burst and you realize, okay, this is what it is. Because if you were the kind that had a tremendous amount of emphasis and excitement and thought about what this is going to be, I, I kind of put this in the same category as happiness, that... I think that this will make me happy, and then after I obtain it, I realize that happiness was very, very fleeting and not very long-lasting. So, huh, it's not what I thought it was going to be. And so now I'm off balance. I'm, and so I start then shifting towards other things, and I start letting other things get in my way. And, and so 
you know, life takes over. I mean, wouldn't you say that some of the reason why um, sex and marriage struggles is one, it's normal, because I think that that's going to be a component of when you live life with somebody any length of time, there's going to be desire differences and struggles. It's going to wane. And would you say that they're seasonal, that it's not going to necessarily stay like that? Because I think that some people are genuinely afraid of, is this what I'm stuck with? Well, is this is this ever going to get any better? Sure. I, I think there can be some components of seasonal might change some things, but I also think there's more important of what's this being revealed about me. Did I put too much pressure on this? Did I have too much unrealistic thoughts about what this would be and what my wife would be or what my husband would be? Cause we both suffer from other gender myths you know, men could suffer from the idea that a woman, that my wife is going to be just like she was when we were dating or what I see portrayed in the movies and porn, <laughs> right? And mm-hmm. reality, large, large part of the population of women are not right. that. They're not sexual right. aggressors. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't throw down the UPS driver just because he dropped off a package, <laughs> right? So, but I think the same thing that women could suffer from that... My husband will be ready to go anytime I'm interested. And there's going to be some men that are like, no, I'm most They're of the, the time. the crockpots that we talked about yeah, a few weeks most ago. Most of the time, maybe. But even, even the ones that aren't the crockpots, even just because the stereotypical of, well, you're the high desire. You should always be ready to go. Like, well, no, there's times where my life is not always surrounded by sex. Mm-hmm. And so when you made that move, I just it was just bad timing, babe. It's not about you and us. It's just... Mm. It wasn't on my radar. And yeah. And so I think some of it is, you know, what one of the biggest realizations about marriage is the myths get busted quickly. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. The fantasy bubble bursts and then you have the reality that lingers. But the question that comes to my mind, though, Corey, is that, you know, is there a responsibility that spouses need to feel toward one another that, okay, just because it wasn't on my radar, just because I wasn't particularly interested in this given moment, my spouse is being very vulnerable to come to me and present a need or a desire that they are feeling. And to what degree is it this, the receiving spouse's um, responsibility to get themselves in that place? Because I find it very interesting that that stereotype of, yeah, the men always want sex and the women never do, but the expectation is that the woman should just you know, dial it up a notch and get in touch with her feelings and, and work herself into some sort of lather that is more inviting to her husband. Don't you think that the same advice could be given to men whose wives are clamoring and chomping at the bit and wondering what you wanted me so bad before we got married, but now that we're married, where, where did you go? Like, I remember one email in particular that, um, she said, well, I suggested that we maybe try scheduling our sex nights so that there wasn't any awkwardness about, you know, right. what am I, are we going to do it or are we not? And who's right. going to initiate and who's going to respond or not and all that kind of stuff. But that his response to the idea of scheduling was, well, that's no fun. It has to be spontaneous or else it's not fun. Right. But that's really exhausting to the spouse who just gets, keeps getting shot down over and over of, okay, it has to be spontaneous and I'm usually the higher desire. So I'm usually the one initiating. So I'm usually the one getting shot down. And how many times do you walk in front of that line of fire before you just get tired of being shot down? Um, and then another email, totally different person 
she had said that her husband, since they had gotten married, had thrown himself into, I mean, he had a career already, but then he'd thrown himself into grad school, which she was very supportive of, but that she was clamoring for some sex on occasion. And it just seemed like he was always way too busy, never had the energy. And that she suggested maybe they use a marital aid to kind of speed things up and make it quick to where it could happen more often without depleting too much time and energy, but that he just didn't feel like that would be right. And my question was, why? Why does he feel like that would not be right? Is that a moral issue? Because there's nothing in the Bible forbidding that. And if your wife is feeling the need for more frequent orgasms or quicker orgasms or whatever, why should the man have the power to say, no, we're not going to do that when this is a need that she's feeling? Like women's sexual needs and desires are just as legitimate as a man's sexual needs and desires. Sure. Sure. So I just really want to challenge all the lower desire partners out there to consider that if sex isn't happening very often at all, see if you can increase it at least to, you know, I mean, I don't know if if it's only happening once a quarter, try once a month, or if it's only happening once a month, try once a week or do something to make your spouse feel as if there's some hope. My question would be, is it only the lower desire partner's responsibility? to respond to increase it to because obviously the 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 dynamic we talk about on this show is that when you're talking about sex and desire differences there's a lower and a higher the lower is the one that controls sex most of the time by default whether they want Mm -hmm. to or not they're the ones that control because they get the ones to accept or reject every Mm -hmm. sort of initiation right and we've talked about them being called slower instead of lower true Because they enjoy it once they get there, most of them. True. But But they're slower to get there. But there's a component of we've been guilty on the show to say, well, then just do it. (laughs) Right? (laughs) We haven't haven't buttoned that straightforward, but there's been an Mm -hmm. air of that at times. Of like, you know what? Mm -hmm. We'll just do it. Just suck it up and do Mm -hmm. it. You know, figure out what you got to do. Take a bubble bath. Work out. You know, Go on a date, blah, 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 blah. Those are all fantasize band- about being on that deserted island. Yeah, with your see, spouse. to a degree, that's all band aid crap. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, well, what can we give them that's better, Corey? Well, I, I, but again, this goes back to how we started the show. Can mm-hmm. we solve this? No, mm-hmm. because there's going to be a higher and there's going to be a lower. This no is no matter a how struggle. you slice it, there's going to be a difference. I consider myself a fairly educated man. I still have not figured out how to get Pam interested in sex to the degree I want it at times. Yeah. And she's a willing partner most of the time. But I I can't crack the puzzle (laughs) of her. (laughs) You know, she couldn't crack the puzzle of me. And so it's just seeing it as this is some of this is we got to look at the premise of what we're discussing. And that's where I want. That's how I wanted to start the show this way is because then when we pivot to this, if now all of a sudden it's a bait and switch to a degree that all exactly. of a sudden something's off exactly. and what's going on. And it's not, I'm going to just sit here and say, it's not just the low desires responsibility. Mm-hmm. It's also the higher desire, whether it's male or female. It's the idea of, and some of you guys are not going to like me saying this because it's, are you presenting something worth having sex with? And I get pushback <laughs> I, I on was, that. I was waiting for that comment. But it's, but still, it's valid. It's a valid question because you have mm-hmm. to ask yourself, is what I'm seeking 
whole and genuine and real? Or is it just, I'm horny and I need a release? Or is it just, I need to feel sexy and the way I feel sexy is when my husband responds to me sexually. Well, he can't make that, he can't make you completely feel sexy if you have a default mode of, I don't feel sexy. Right. So it's, it's seeing it, this is on both sides. And that's where I want to just make sure we see this as a systemic thing, not a one or the other side thing. Right. But I do want to differentiate between couples who maybe it's not happening as often as one of them does, but it does happen with, Mm -hmm. with relative regularity versus the couples that, okay, this is, this is not what I thought I was signing up for. Like I didn't know that I would be expected to go weeks, sometimes months without any sort of sexual connection at all. Right. And they're in shock and they feel as if they're starving and they did feel as if they got the bait and switch. And, um, you know, you're right. There, there's no magic formula no. that you can boil it down to. But I, the only thing that I can suggest is to see someone who can help you unpack what sex represents to each of you. And what are the psychological reasons behind why the high desire is as high desire as they are? And what are the psychological reasons behind why the lower desire, slower desire person is, you know, why are they on that end of the spectrum and see if they can't even take baby steps toward meeting in the middle could result in enough of a relief or enough of the relief of the tension or enough of a, a connection that they feel as if, well, at least there's been improvement. At least I know my spouse cares about my needs and desires. I think the hardest part, the most painful part is when the most interested spouse feels as if my partner doesn't care. I know we've done a show on that knowing versus caring. Right. That's a really painful place. (laughs) I would imagine for a human being to be in is to realize I'm committed to this relationship, but my spouse doesn't seem very committed to meeting the basic human needs that I have for sex. And somebody actually just this morning sent me an article about what happens to human beings in the absence of sex in their intimate relationships in their marriage. I haven't read it yet. I will. I'll, I will before we <laughs> record the next show. Okay. It makes me wish, darn it. I wish I read it before you recorded this one. But don't you feel as if both couple or both partners in the couple have to at least be willing to make some baby steps toward the middle of that spectrum. Yes. It, if we keep it systemically that you have to, but that's also something that this goes back to the show we did last week of all I can do is my baby step. I can't sit there and demand my partners and how am I making my baby step from the best in me, from the solid perspective of me, knowing what I know of myself and also knowing what I don't know of myself. Okay. You know, that's the whole, you don't know what you don't know kind of mentality that we can get caught up in. And this is probably what fuels a lot of this fire that we get caught up in all the myth we've brought in of what this is going to be. When that gets burst, now all of a sudden we're looking for anything we can to help ease the pain rather than looking at a larger story, a larger picture. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of the marriage stuff out there is, is band-aids in my book. It's I'm trying to put a band-aid on a cancer mm-hmm. when yeah. I can't, it's not going to solve it. Right. It's not going to fix it, but right. maybe I need to stop thinking I can 
And I need to start looking at, okay, what's this teaching me? What is, what is this that I'm trying to, what, that's being exposed in me here? Uh, this mm-hmm. goes back to the email I think of where she made the comment of she's the higher desire and she's bubbly and she's interested and he's now not that mm-hmm. they're married. And she's afraid because she's being honest about, I don't know how long I'll, I'll take it if I got other people showing interest. Right. Because the power sorry, of the third. Right it, there. it is. But it's one of those, okay, so now what's being revealed in you, ma'am, is how do I continue to live a sexy life as I see me that's not as contingent on how does he see me? It takes influence from it, but it's we are solidified most when we don't get the other people validating and saying yes to who we are. Right. Then we have to reach down inside of ourselves for that steel backbone and that sense of identity rather than depending on the ego strokes coming from someone else. And it's when we lack that backbone and the ego strokes are coming from somebody else. That's how the, the opportunity is ripe for an affair. But let's go back to a thought that crossed my mind of, you know, we have in many, many shows in many different ways, try to encourage that lower desire partner to consider how they can take that step towards the middle. But what does it look like for the higher desire partner to take a step toward the middle? And what came to mind is that, you know what, sex may just not be the way that your partner feels most connected to you. Not everybody thinks that sex is all that in a bag of chips. Sure. And so maybe just simply asking your partner, what do we do? How do we engage with one another in a way that you feel most connected to me and reframe kind of like we talked about redefining sexy. Well, how about just redefining connection, redefining intimacy and try to create those opportunities. So whether it's going shopping together, whether it's going to dinner together, whether it's giving each other a a foot rub, whether it's playing Yahtzee or whatever it is, offer those things more often. And that way, what you're saying to your spouse is, Whatever floats your boat and makes you feel connected to me, I want to do that because okay. I want to feel that connection with you. As long and maybe as... you can inspire. Hold okay. on, maybe you can inspire the person to see sex through the lens of, well, if that's what makes you feel so close yeah, to me, see, then that's... I'd be more willing to do that. You're thinking, oh, that's manipulation. That's the struggle, is because that's what <laughs> that's what we face. That's what's being revealed in ourself, right? I'm glad this came that up. That we're really just trying to get Absolutely. our needs met. We, we live in a relationship where there's give and take, and I want to take at times. <laughs> it yeah. is. That, that's, it's that, human nature. It, it absolutely is. And so I'm not, con- I'm not uh, judging that in the sense of you need to stop, and you need to learn to just be all compassionate and giving and serving. But I, no, there's still an element of— <laughs> you got you to take care of yourself. Yes, there's still an element of I'm going to go after what I'm interested in and seek my needs. But if, I, if I'm being challenged— to learn what speaks to Pam deeper than sex, possibly. And I want to challenge myself to give that to her. I've, if I'm going to do that from the best in me and the solid in me, then that means there's less strings attached. And if there are strings, I need to be overt about that. Okay. Meaning, if I'm going to... You know, let's say one of the things that... I, I'm just totally making this up. But let's say one of the things that makes Pam feel more connected to me is if we play games together and I like playing games with her, but there's some I will not play because she just wipes the floor with me. (laughs) And And that makes you feel small. It does. (laughs) It's a reminder of how little I am at times. Um, But it's so it's like, okay, I, 
there's going to be a component in me, though. It's like, okay, you know what? I'm interested in some sex. I'll play games with her. And it's like, uh, that's just a, that's a covert contract, right? But is, is there anything wrong with that? Is there anything wrong with trying to inspire no, rather than require I, nothing the wrong intimacy with, that you crave? There's nothing wrong with trying it. It's just okay. if I if we do that, and let's say we have this whole big great evening, and then no sex happens, she's feeling all she's got the afterglow of wow, great game night. That was better than orgasms I've ever had, and that's just the best <laughs> thing. I feel so close to you, and I feel so loved and alive, and and now all of a sudden I wake up and I'm pissed. Because we didn't have sex. Okay, what was I really doing there? Right. Right. Was right. that really giving and caring and compassion? Or how do I confront? Because this is the beauty and the sophistication of married life and sex in married life to me. Is it reveals the, the parts of us that really do need to be refined to be better. And maybe if there's an area that, I, that is challenging to be refined, but it's like, you know what? I, no, I, maybe I need to be better about that's not something I'm going to be willing to do, babe. And so now we're going to have to just deal with the complexities of what that does to our relationship. And yeah. so it's just seeing this whole thing as, again, this isn't something we can solve. There's not a roadmap into your partner's pants. <laughs> even though there is that cute little trail that grows on men's bellies what is it the happy trail <laughs> but it fair, doesn't always lead to happiness fair enough. you're right no it, well but it, there's not a roadmap to my partner's heart either that's true that's true so let me make sure i understand you correctly are you saying that a better strategy than being covert about the operation is to be overt yes it's it's just not mince words not try to manipulate if just that's say, there well okay let's go back to this scenario so pam comes back and says you know hey i want to do game night i know we ha I i'm feeling disconnected and i'm like okay and she's like but i don't want sex i don't want this to be foreplay right then there has to be an element of i've got to recognize that that's still there in the sense of i'm not going to turn it down if it leads to sex but that's okay I would love it if it goes there, but if it doesn't, I'm going to, I want to make the most out of our time playing games because it can be a chance where I can learn to connect with you better. And maybe mm -hmm. when I develop that part of me, maybe there's a part of you that's awakened by that, that connects better with me in the areas I want to connect. And that, and that's where it's, we do cart before the horse too much of mm. I want to do this so I get this rather than right. I want to do this because maybe something's born in me that brings about something. Maybe it doesn't. And even if it doesn't, it's still something better in me. Mm -hmm. And that's the, that's the foundation I want people to think of in the sense of right. this is something that's being challenged of myself to, to learning about who I am and who I'm not. So self-revelation, you think, is going to be one of the benefits of this journey that we're on. I do. Um, I, I think Sh Schnarch puts it this way. This is a quote from him where uh, the title of it is meeting yourself can be a shock <laughs> because there's areas of ourselves that we're not developed and we don't know about. And so his phrase is, your task is to see the errors in what you think you already know. Yes, what you can't see yet and what you don't know can jeopardize the possibility of turning your relationship around. But what can really keep you stuck is what you're already sure of, the givens that the, you accept about yourself, your partner, your relationship, and your past. 
Most people have a picture of themselves that's distorted enough to keep their anxieties down and accurate enough to keep their integrity from getting suspicious. You need to look beyond this and figure out how your life story doesn't make sense. Wow. That's powerful stuff. That's deep. That is very deep. I would ask you to repeat it, but it's, yeah. Yeah. Would would you read that last sentence again, though? It's the idea that The last sentence. Sure. It's the most people have a picture of themselves that's distorted enough to keep their anxieties down, but accurate enough to keep their integrity from getting suspicious. I don't feel like I'm lying to myself in the way I'm doing my life, but I'm still kind of deceiving myself because I don't want to go to some of those areas. Always pushing the envelope to the edge, yep. dangling your feet off the ledge. And all if that you kind look at it, that's what married life is going to push us to. That's right. what sex is going to push us to. And when we get to these extremes of, I feel like I got a bait and switch. There could be some stuff going on that, you know, we got some shows coming up in the queue that we haven't recorded mm-hmm. yet on. We could have some mental things that are going on. We could have some things on the spectrums of Asperger's, ADD, um, OCD, OCD, depression, anxiety, Borderline. all these right. things could be an impact of my marriage and my partner. And maybe I'm the one listening to this is like, I'm scared to death to go see where that might, that door might lead. Yeah. You know, I had a client. Yeah. I love it. It's I love scary. the honesty of him because his client, he was he was on that path a little bit. And he was like, I feel like I'm Bugs Bunny opening doors, you know, on the cartoon where he just keeps opening a door, <laughs> opening a door, opening a door, opening a door. And he's like, yeah. and I'm scared what the next door is going to be. And I'm like, OK, then mm-hmm. what do you do? And he says, I open the next door. And I'm like, well mm-hmm. done. That's exactly what you do. And mm-hmm. so. It's seeing it as this is what marriage does. This is this if so if when you reach these things, I would say first off, the people that have emailed us, the one we referred to, one, it may feel like something's going wrong, but what if there's nothing actually going wrong? It's just a revealing of things. What if this is par for the course? What if this is part of the function of marriage? Right. This is what marriage is supposed to do. Right. Which brings to mind that expression that we've loved lately from one of our listeners about how one day you'll wake up and realize, (laughs) oh my gosh, I've married the wrong person. So this conversation leads me to think that one of these days you're going to wake up and realize, oh my gosh, they married the wrong person. (laughs) (laughs) We have to realize that we're not all that in a bag of chips for our spouse either all the time. Yeah, I love the phrase of maybe I'm not as important as I'd like to think I am to people. Yeah, maybe I'm smaller than I realized. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know. It's just... I want this. I mean, I guess the last two shows have been kind of macro level up in the air overview. Aerial view. Mm -hmm. And I hope, if anything, it starts generating some at least self-reflection, self-confrontation about how could I look at my dynamic through a a slightly different lens? And then what would that say? And how can you adjust your expectations down to a realistic level such that the focus is really on just becoming your best self? If every spouse just focused on becoming their best self, then better intimacy in the relationship is going to be a natural byproduct. So I would say this as, as, as a way to kind of sign this thing off. uh, One of the tasks you guys can do, if you've hung on this long to this conversation, one of the tasks you can do is just be for a couple of days, be an observer of your life. Mm. And just ask yourself why you do what you do. It's not trying to find mm. the answers yet. It's just, huh, I wonder why I do that. Hmm, mm-hmm. I wonder why that. And be, see where that can lead. And just ponder why. Why do I do what I do? And right. see what that reveals. And if you're, if that brings some stuff up, feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. We'd love to know. Yeah. Or jump in with the Academy. This is the yes. very kind of stuff that we love to process together in that community. So 
Yeah. See you next Join time. Us. We love you for listening. 